What is good, everyone? Welcome to the Outside the Box podcast. My name is Nick Ingvall, and on this show, I try to present to you a new way to think about the world of sneakers through conversations with creators, designers, and other industry insiders. My goal is to dissect their approach and learn new tips and tricks, strategies, and best practices that you and I can both use to carve our own lane in the sneaker game. I've got a good one for you today. On today's episode, I talk with my friend Seth Fowler. Seth has amassed over 700,000 followers on his sneaker-focused YouTube channel, and he has nearly 140 million views across his channels in total. Not to mention he's designed his own shoes, helped design shoes for Gary Vee's VaynerMedia, recently started his own sock line that just opened its new headquarters, and many other things. Despite all the success, he's still one of the most humble guys I've met and shares some priceless knowledge in this conversation. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. Got a very special opportunity to talk to one of my good friends in this whole sneaker thing today. Uh, I got Seth Fowler with me. So how's it going, Seth? It's going good. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, doing pretty good, man. Uh, just, uh, just just trying to uh, prepare for the holidays and, and uh, going to be a different kind of holidays this year, you know? So Absolutely. But, um, so I, I was trying to think back up to like when we actually first connected and it was probably through finish line and Brandon Edler, that era when you were first starting, right? I think right. I can't remember. And then we've kind of zigged and zagged all over the place. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I've run into a few times at events and been like, dude, I gotta, we gotta like connect. And it's like, okay. Like years <laughs> later, I'm actually on a call with you, but um, such is how it goes in the sneaker world, I think. So definitely everybody, everybody's moving at a, at a, at a rapid pace. So I guess for the people that don't know what you do, let's uh, like give them a little rundown of, of who you are and, and, you know, why you would be on this podcast talking about sneakers. Uh, yeah, so I do primarily, I do reviews on sneakers on YouTube. That's sort of my main, my main thing. But the reason I really got into that was obviously having a passion for sneakers, but also having a passion for design. And so that was something that I had done professionally before YouTube and then getting into YouTube. It, I felt like it was a, it was sort of my unique thing that I had that I'd sort of gone through manufacturing and gone through making things before. So that was YouTube sort of gave me the perfect way to incorporate or sort of mash up my two different passions together, which was design and sneakers. Um, and so I've sort of just kind of expanded from there and I've, I've continued doing YouTube and that's sort of just been just a blessing. It's been a huge, huge blessing and, and, and it's become my full-time job. And that's like one of those crazy things that you never actually expect to happen. And when it does, you're like, Holy crap, <laughs> but that's how I got here in a nutshell. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I think that, you know, you're, your content has evolved in so many different ways. And I, I like that you've tried so many different things over the years. And I think, I mean, like for me personally, I love watching you draw. Like that's what drew me into nice. your channel. And that's where I was like, that's awesome. okay, this is something that I'm like, not that I don't, you know, like I appreciate what you do. I'm not trying to dis discredit <laughs> the other things, but like when you, when you started doing that, it was like, wow, like, you know, you have completely the upper hand in this because one, you're way more comfortable on camera than most of the designers that I know. And, you know, that's something that I think most people would admit to. Like, I'm not as comfortable on camera as, as a lot of the people that I'm friends with, because I'm friends with a bunch of like YouTubers that have spent years refining that process. So it's one of those things that's really fascinating to me. Um, but one thing that I wanted to actually ask you about specifically about that is when you, you know, you've, you've kind of, 
obviously moved further away from that aspect. So I assume that one, it takes a heck of a lot more time to do that. But also I know that like the, the algorithm and the way that YouTube work makes branching off into new things challenging. So what, Definitely. you know, how, how did that work for you? And what was your experience, you know, in kind of thinking of how, how to approach both of those things? And I guess to follow that up, what would you suggest for people that maybe have multiple passions? You know, we talked mm-hmm. a little bit about that before you, we started recording, but I think that those two pillars for you are really fascinating in a way that, you know, there's probably a lot of young people that could learn from, from your experience on that. So. Um, I guess for me, well, for me, it was weird because when I first started the channel, I was just, uh, I was just reviewing sneakers and I was inspired by people like T Blake and Yoanti and, and, uh, Franolations and, and all those people. And I thought that was really the only way to go about it. And so I really tried to emulate that. And that's what I had been doing for the first like two or three years of the channel. And then it was sort of like a light bulb thing where, cause I'd been working at a, at a design firm up in New York and they're like, well, why don't you design a sneaker? Why don't you do something like that? And I was like, first of all, I don't think, cause in my head, it's always been sort of product design, which is what I was doing, which was designing like chairs and tables and toys and things like that versus fashion design, which I always thought sneakers was more of. And I yeah. think I'm definitely, I, I lean more on the product design side. Like I'm not the most fashionable person in the world. So I don't, I don't think I'll ever be like, you know, a designer like some, like, um, Tinker or anyone like that who really has that innate sense. Uh, so I never really thought about combining them. And then, and then I, and then I just really, I just tried it. I honestly just tried it. And I did a video, um, where I kind of tried to hit a softball and I did something about, um, designing an off-white Air Jordan 3 because in my head, it's like, you know, it's just going to be a BC3 with a couple off-white touches. And so that was sort of my first venture into that. Um, and then that did, it did pretty well. And I was like, okay, I'll keep doing this. And as I kept doing that, I tried to, uh, to post more and more pictures. And that's when the opportunity with, um, this company I work with called Wear Underdogs came around where they're like, Hey, we'd love to work with you on, um, designing a sneaker. And, uh, and I was talking to them for a while. And I also had the opportunity to work with, um, Vayner Media on a, a Planters Peanuts, like promo shoe, which to be fair, yeah, that was cool. <laughs> I love the way it came out, but I understand that people don't want to wear it every day because it's a blue and yellow shoe that says planters on the back. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but for me, it was, it was, and I, I still, I still really want to take my channel in the design direction. But like you said, it's, it's way more work than I think I even expected. I didn't realize that, you know, not only just screen recording and then editing down all this, this footage, like hours and hours of footage would take as long as it did. So, um, that's why it's sort of been a little bit slower, but, um, but I, I, I didn't, one thing I, I really got a new respect for is the sneaker designers doing that because, you know, um, just creating something that I, I thought I love, like the sneaker that I did with We Are Underdogs, I love, but seeing the reception from both sides, seeing people who like it and people who just absolutely just hate it and not realizing like, it gave me not only a new respect for the designers because they do this every day and it's, it's a much different animal designing shoes than it is designing anything else, but just understanding the sort of the response that they get online, like even from reviewers, but just from people on Twitter, like when Kanye drops a new shoe, whoever designed that shoe definitely goes on Twitter and see, sees people saying like, what the hell? That's the ugliest thing I've ever seen. And like that, yeah. while it's, uh, you know, while it's not important what those people are saying, cause it's just, it's just noise at the same time, like it still definitely hits you. So it's like seeing that from a designer point of view was definitely the biggest takeaway. And it really made me sort of refocus on reviewing sneakers and trying to see it from a more objective point of view. Even though I thought that I was being objective in the beginning, I realized there's really so much more to it. And so that's why I've slowed down a little bit on the, on the design videos. One, because it takes a lot of time, but two, because I really want to sort of refine the way that I do it to create something that is, is going to be more, I guess, edifying and give people more, um, 
sort of help people learn and grow in that sort of space, but also create something that people want to watch. Because I realized that just redesigning Yeezys, as fun as that is, is not going to be that interesting to people over time. So I really want to like work on maybe find a find a lane in, in where I can, uh, I don't know, like do new takes on things or, or try new things. And I, I'm still kind of working that out. Um, and to be honest with you, um, with the constant grind of like having to feel like, or feeling like you need to put out new content, it's really hard to find the time to really work on a video that's going to take four days versus a video that takes like three hours. So yeah. yeah, yeah, I can imagine, man. It's it's uh, it's always crazy to me when I see people that you know. I mean, like we talked about before we started recording, Jacques and and this mm-hmm. you know rap rap review that he just did or that's rap great. unboxing. You know, it's like that type of stuff. I mean, you know, he and I are are pretty good friends and like i saw that you know in the works and and like talked through some stuff with him but like it's one of those things where like no matter no matter what i like i see it and i'm like instantly like man i just want to be that creative right yeah i just want to like i want to go do something creative after watching that because it's like it might not be like the best rap song it might not be a shoes a pair of shoes that i even like but it's like doing something in a way that like is different, right? It's forcing yourself to be out in that like discomfort area. But like the crazy part is like, I just see how much time goes into that kind of stuff. And I can only imagine like the design work. My brother is, is a designer and like he, That's awesome. you know, the, the time that it takes him to do things, you know, like I'm, I'm really lucky because like most of what I do just is me pounding the keyboard and like, you know, hit and send, you know, and, and writing stuff is, is simple in a sense. For me, right? Sense. And I get that, like, it's, it's, you know, everybody has like their, the thing that they do. And that's a, what makes us all unique and beautiful. But, um, one of the things I, I wanted to ask you about kind of like that you, you mentioned even was, you know, your shoe with, with We Are Underdogs and, and the planter shoe. Obviously, like as somebody who, you know, is a designer and like getting to toy with those things, is there anything that you learned from that process? Other than, you know, like you said, talking, talking about like the the negativity that you're going to see on Twitter and and stuff, because I'm one of those people that, I I mean, you can't really see it on camera, but like I'm surrounded by sneakers, right? And Mm -hmm. like I have a massive collection and, you know, I I don't say that to (laughs) brag at all because it's not, it's more of a pain than it is not, right? (laughs) But, um, you know, when I got into sneakers, I was writing for, you know, blogs and, you know, Mm -hmm. all these places. And I just figured that if I, if I was going to be talking about sneakers and you wanted to, to really like appreciate my opinion, then I better show you that, look, I'm buying all these things to, to show you that like I'm experienced them all. You know, right. like I'm not just buying one thing because I like it and saying it's the best thing ever. Like I'm going to have the stuff that maybe you won't like because I want to be able to compare them. So like to yeah. me, sneakers is a much different beast than for most people who are just like, Oh, that's ugly. You know, like, Oh, it's just too overbranded. But like I also. You know, personally, I'm a fan of like, you know, racing. So like the marketing aspect of labeling things and, and like creating products specifically to have a brand name out there is yeah. always been, is always a fascinating thing to me. So what was your experience like? I guess the We Are Underdogs thing is, is really fascinating because they give you a little bit more creative freedom, I think, with than most yeah. of the companies that are out there. And, um, so absolutely. I have two real questions. One is, how feasible do you think those partnerships are to turn into a, a much bigger opportunity where like, let's say, let's say you were just, it was so well received that you were just like, I'm, I'm going to go double down and we're going to release three shoes this time. 
how feasible is that in this current state of sneakers? Do you, for, in your opinion? And then with the planters thing, could you talk a little bit about the challenges or, uh, you know, the, the working with like a big major company like that, right? Because obviously when you need to have brand colors, you know, and, and you have a, a, a very specific experience with this because of your design work, you're aware of those things, I think, more so than anybody that I know. So could you talk a little bit about those two things? Yeah. So starting off with planters, um, actually, you know, what? I can just grab it. Grab the shoe. But, um, starting off with planters, it was interesting because I originally wasn't even supposed to design a shoe. <laughs> what happened was um, that they that Vayner Media reached out and they so basically the way that it worked was there was planters, uh, there was Vayner, which was facilitating the whole thing, and then there was me. And they had reached out because I had worked with um, one of the guys on their social team, and he's like, "I know that you do sneaker reviews. I'd love for you to review the shoe that we have coming out." And I was like, "Okay, cool." And then I was like, "Well, do you have a picture of it?" And they sent this picture of the sample, and not to <laughs> not to hate on it, but I, 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 it was one of those things where I saw it and I was like, "I I can't like I can't say I, as I can't say good things about the sneaker, so I don't want to do a video for it." Um, and so I talked to my manager about it and I was like, well, do you think there's a way that like I could pitch the idea of designing it for them? Cause that's when I was really trying to get into the design space. And yeah. so he's like, yeah, might as well. I mean, what's, what do you have to lose? So we pitched that idea and they're like, sure, that'd be great. And so the idea was showing a little bit of the design process and then also designing the shoe and sort of being involved in that way. Um, so, so I did, and it was, it was a very, very short experience um, because it was really late on in the process that I was involved. So the the midsole tooling of the shoe and the, the outsole had already been chosen. And obviously, I, if, if you're familiar with, I, I'm sure, I know you are, but the people watching, if you're not familiar with um, the way that, that I guess, midsoles and outsoles come together, this is by far the most expensive part of the shoe because you have to open a mold, which is cutting metal, which is thousands and thousands of dollars. So when you're doing a smaller project like this, we're only a couple... I think it was like maybe 1500 shoes were made. Um, it's, it's just not worth the 20 to $30,000 investment per size or whatever it is, um, to create the midsole and outsole. So they find a pre-made one from a manufacturer in China and then they ship them to, uh, in this case, Garrison in Philly to actually build the shoe around it. Um, so for that, we had the, the midsole designed already and, um, they wanted it to be, they just said, we want a shoe that, that looks like something Mr. Peanut would wear. <laughs> um, and so I really, I'd always wanted to design like a really classic looking leather basketball sneaker. And while it wasn't the perfect scenario for me to do that because it had to be still peanut themed, I really wanted to use like really nice leathers and suede and make it sort of the high top sneaker that I would, I would want to wear if I was playing basketball in like the, you know, the eighties or nineties. Um, and so that was yeah. sort of the inspiration behind it. Um, and I just really loved the, I was really inspired by like the, um, I was the re, I think it was Reebok Kamikaze. And also trying to morph the shape of a peanut into the, into the paneling yeah. on the side of the shoe. Um, so originally this started out as a peanut shape on the side. And then I kind of was like, well, that's, that's terrible. So I, I was trying to just play with the lines and create something that looked more like an interesting sneaker. Um, and then obviously the colorway was heavily defined and the, the logo on the tongue was heavily defined by the brand itself. But, um, it was, it was a really interesting project working with the brand and sort of sending them ideas and being like, well, I really like this. And they're like, well, as nice as that is or as terrible as that is, it doesn't work with our brand language. Um, so there was definitely a back and forth there. Um, and that's, that's something I don't think people realize, especially people, you know, on the outside looking in, like how little, um, in a lot of cases, how little designers or, uh, collaborators actually have, uh, how much, how little weight they actually have when it comes to collaborations. Like I did a video for, um, New Balance and Herschel like a year ago. And mm -hmm. one of their main selling points in the video was that Herschel was like, well, this is the first time New Balance has actually let us 
I'll let anyone sort of change the way their sneaker looks rather than just changing the colorway. And for me, that was really eye-opening because I was like, wow, I, did, I thought with collaborations, you have just free reign, but you don't. You really don't. It really depends on what the brand is willing to give you. And in New Balance's case, at least last year, things have obviously changed now, but it was like they really kept those collaborations locked down. Um, and I think to your next question, the reason um, We Are Underdogs was so special is because the whole brand was, was basically, it's, it's um, a love child by a, by a sneaker company in Portugal that basically does a lot of private label stuff, but they wanted to create something that gave people who don't usually have the opportunity to uh, create sneakers that chance. So they had um, initially, the way I heard about them was through uh, wear testers. Nightwing had actually designed a shoe with them or was working on a shoe with them and talking about that process. And so I, I, I was designing shoes uh, on my own and, and they eventually reached out because, um, forget, I, I, I reviewed a sneaker. I think it was, um, I reviewed someone's sneaker for them. And, uh, I, I sort of, so I, I got contacted through there and they're like, we'd love to give you the opportunity to design a sneaker because we see that you love design. And, and that was a very, very open process where they're like, design whatever you want. Um, the only thing is we have to basically choose, you have the choice to choose four different midsole, outsole tooling options. Um, all, all of which I wasn't a huge fan of, but regardless, I ended up picking the one that I thought was the least, uh, the one that I thought would work with the most things. I didn't know what the design was going to be yet. Um, and looking back, I, I probably would have chosen a different midsole outsole based on the way the shoe, uh, came out. But, um, yeah, so that was really great. I got the chance to, uh, to fly out to Portugal and see the whole process from sample, from sketching to sampling to a final product. And that was like a really incredible experience. And it also gave me a, a much better understanding of, um, how difficult it is to actually do what these sneaker designers do every day. And also seeing a really nice, like almost designer quality sneaker coming out with like super nice materials, you know, a uh, source from five miles from this factory in Portugal versus, you know, what most brands do, which is they go for the cheapest option and try and create something that looks like it's high quality, but really it's very, very cheap. So yeah. it's, it was definitely a very eye opening experience. Um, and I've been very lucky. And actually, uh, I don't why well, I'll just say it. Uh, we have me. I think they're doing a project. Um, well, I know they're doing a project with We Are Underdogs where they're taking the six designers that have done sneakers so far with them. And they're giving us all the same uh, midsole and outsole. And they're saying design whatever upper you want on it. So um, that's sort of, cool. I think, as far as the announcement's gone. But we've we've all worked on sneakers. I know it's it's me. It's Nightwing. It's um, some other people. Uh, and, and so we'll have sneakers coming out like that are completely different than anything we've done so far in the next couple um in the next couple months. So that's been a really cool, like, uh, sort of follow, uh, follow up to the original collaboration, but yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Congrats. I mean, that's, that's Thanks, so cool that. that it, that turned, you know, I think, I, I think the, the perception from people that don't work, you know, on these types of projects is very much like, Oh, you know, it's easy that you're going to work with the same people over and over again. Right. But like that, that's a hundred percent not the case unless it works, right? It has to work in order for you to want to work with people again. And, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, just having them, you know, and bring on another partnership with you to, to do more is, is says a lot about, you know, your work with them. But, um, nice. I guess what, what's like the timeline for that? Like, could you give like kind of a rough idea of, I guess, even comparing the two, right? Like where you came mm-hmm. into a project, uh, with, with planters. And it's, you know, almost set in stone, right? You, you, yeah. Um, also, I just should commend you on, on saying, Hey, this is not something I can just co-sign and put on my channel because the perception by a lot of people out there that watch YouTube and, and, you know, follow sneakers casually is that you just do whatever comes to, you know, 
to your doorstep and, and you take every opportunity. But, you know, it, it is really important to, to note those kind of things. And it's a really tough thing to do when you're sitting there, you know, sometimes with the opportunity to do something that is going to put food on your table and not and walking away from it. So I, I think that's important to, to kind of, you know, emphasize there. But what's like the timeline in, in comparing those two, you know, from, you know, we are underdogs being like a, obviously a longer process, I would assume versus the planters. Mm-hmm. And what's that look like for you as, you know, and, and even in terms of like, where you step into the YouTube world from that process and, and bring people along. Mm-hmm. Um, with the planters one, I'm not sure how, how long it was going beforehand, but from when I actually sent in my very first like line drawing sketch on a piece of paper to when it was actually in my hands, I think was maybe about three or four months, which is just insanely fast. And I think there's, um, I think that there's a lot to be said of working with a factory in the United States, just because they're able to turn around samples so quickly versus a factory in China, where it's going to take three to four weeks to even see anything. Um, so I think that had a lot to do with it. And also it was a small, uh, small size one with, we are underdogs. It was, a, it was a longer process. Um, it was probably more from when I first started design, like my first call with the, the founder of the company to when the shoe actually came out, I think it was more like maybe seven, eight months. Um, and that was still a pretty expedited process. Um, and I think it really just depends on sort of your manufacturing, like, especially with, we are underdogs, even then, like, again, it was, it was a factory that the, the guy who runs the company has such a great connection with, and they're willing to do samples for them like really quickly. Whereas, you know, if you're working with a random factory that you found in China or even one that you found in Italy or Portugal, if you don't have that connection, you know, they're going to put you at the end of the list and it's going to take some time. Um, and it, it's really interesting to see, uh, what, what I've really been excited about after being a part of this process is seeing the people who have started their own brands. Like, um, I'm trying to think, John Geiger and, uh, there was, oh man, what's this? There's this other brand I, I really like on, um, see a collective on, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I know, I know, I know they have some beef. I'm, I don't get involved. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know anything about it, but it's, uh, it's, it's fun to see the, their process and see how they actually have done this basically from scratch. At least I don't, I don't have any contact with them. So I don't know what their process is, but assuming it's from scratch and seeing how interesting it is, um, and how different it is from the process of working with another company. Like I, I, I'm lucky enough that I have a company paying for all of it, like paying for all the materials, paying for all the manufacturing. Yeah. Whereas there it's like, they're paying for it themselves. They're doing it from scratch. They're paying for all the molding and tooling. And that's, that's just a whole new level of respect, you know, and it's, it's cool to see. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it is kind of funny. Like that's kind of something I wanted to, I guess, get a little bit into not to like put you on the spot, but like, the conversation around those types where like you have John and I forget, um, you know, Sia Collectives, I forget mm-hmm. the guy's name, but like I've, I personally have known John for a really long time. So, awesome. you know, like it's, you know, like I'm kind of in a weird spot with, with that situation yeah. specifically, <laughs> but like yeah. I, I just don't understand the kind of internet beef thing at all. You know, like if anything, I grew up in the, 80s and 90s so i know that rap beef always ends poorly so why are we doing this in any other world right so um i i kind of want to just tie this into you know like do you have any you know tips or practices to avoiding that kind of stuff but also like just the negativity that comes right because Mm -hmm. i like like i think let me say this in the right way (laughs) <laughs> the planter shoe to me is, is, you know, it's not a shoe that I might wear, but it's personally, no, I think it's, it's super dope because nice. it's the opportunity that you had. And 
on a marketing side where I work on a regular basis, I'm trying to get those big companies to see that this is going to get some attention. Mm-hmm. But how do you personally, you know, kind of just deal with the just the negativity that comes from putting yourself out there on a regular basis? Because obviously, you know, YouTube comments and Twitter and social media can just be a absolute, you know, terror show for, for people that are that are creating as much content as you are too, right? Like, because the more you do, the more people, you know, the bigger yeah. your audience, the more, you know, you can't have people just hating for no reason. So is there anything that you do to kind of, you know, disconnect from that or, or avoid it or, you know, whatever those tips might be for the, you know, the 16 year old kid that might be coming up in the YouTube world or whatever? Um, well, I, th- I think first off with, with the beef stuff as, there's, I think there's this perception online that when someone tries to do something like that with you or is very negative towards you and, and there's the opportunity to start something, there's this perception that that'll bring a lot of eyes to my channel because that stuff's fun to watch. It's like the TMZ of whatever, which at the end of the day, like you said, it never ends well. Um, and what will happen is even if it does seem like it's, for example, like there's, I don't know, on the, on the sort of... Um, with some of the newer sneaker YouTuber, YouTubers I noticed over the last couple of years, there was this whole like weird live stream thing going on where they'd be sort of beefing with each other. And those live streams would do well. But at the end of the day, once that all sort of died down, you're not going to have long-time viewers. You're not going to have people who are invested in you. You're going to have people who want to see drama. And that's just not right. the kind of people that you want on your channels. Well, maybe it is, but not for, I think, people who are really serious about what they're doing and people who really have a passion for sneakers. Um, so there, there's that. And also, especially when it comes to um, negativity, what I found is that the smaller you are, the less that you get. You're, however, the smaller you are, the less that you get. But the ones that you do get mean a lot more and they're a lot more hurtful because you, they, it's like the first time you're experiencing it. Um, and so the bigger that I've gotten, the more that I've realized that people are just hating for no reason. And it's like, I think there's an important distinction um, of trying to figure out like when someone's giving you criticism and while it not be, might, while it might not be phrased in the best way, it's important to listen to because, you know, you're not, no one's perfect and no, everyone can always improve in what they're doing. So it's, it's interesting to try and weed out just the crap from the, from the actual criticism of someone who's saying something because they genuinely, while it might be said in a very rude way, it genuinely might actually be a better direction to take. Um, and, and I think, uh, especially when you're creating anything, you're going to get that and it's going to hurt because it's your thing that you're putting out there. Um, yeah. but, but it, it's, you, you kind of get numb to it. And what I've, what I've, there's some sort of best practices that I've, I've kind of, uh, learned is that it, as much as you want to read some of those comments, it's just not worth it. Um, and, and that again, caught, you know, it's, it's the other problem again of, well, sometimes you, you want to read some of those comments so you can learn from it, grow from it. But it's, I don't know, man, it, it's just a very, like, it depends on what kind of mood I'm in that day is whether I'll read those comments. Yeah. Or not. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's funny. Cause like, I, you know, I, I, I guess I, in a sense, I got lucky because I started in this stuff in, in the writing world and like mm-hmm. really maintained that and stayed in like the business side of things. So uh, other than my years at complex, you know, like where I literally had, you know, people saying like, don't come to my city. You won't, you know, like death threats Shit. over stuff because <laughs> and I'm just like, dude, it's like, like if you ever read anything that I wrote or anything that Russ or I wrote on Complex, the the giant list of you know you're an idiot sneakerhead when was the number one thing on the list was always like that you get offended by this because we're talking about ourselves, right? Like yeah. we are the people we're making fun of, you know. So it's it's always been a funny thing to me, but I I think that you know as as this year especially like 
hostility is just at an all-time high and it trans it, it transitions to all different places but i i think you know i think it's 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 good to hear that you both look at them you know and it depends on the day right because that makes yeah. it real for a lot of people and i think that my goal with kind of the content that i'm you know, putting out and, and starting to put more out of is to kind of showcase that kind of stuff, right? Like mm -hmm. people, you know, I, I'm really lucky to have worked in this, but like, I don't have like a public facing, you know, like the way, you know, you guys do in the YouTube space, but like everyone probably knows me because I've, I, I love this stuff. Like I'm going to go mm -hmm. find people to work with and do stuff with, but that also is like, you know, uh, how do I, how do I, bring my expertise in this. Right. And, and part of that is like, you know, kind of what you're saying about working with planters and working with Vayner and like those types of things are, are kind of like, I, I love to be kind of in between that kind of situation. Right. Because I don't necessarily want to be a manager and I don't want to like, you know, do those kind of things, but like, I have a lot of experience on the business side of this, but I'm also the guy on the business side of it that refuses to take his hat off and is always going to wear sneakers. Right. So yeah. it's a, I'm a different business person than a lot of people experience. And I think Vayner has done a good job of that too. Like they, their mm -hmm. business is modeled kind of around that whole, like, yeah. you know, it's not about professionalism, even though it is, but it's like the perception is like, Hey, this is just life. Let's just do it and we'll get it done. Yeah. Um, so I guess to, to kind of take, a step back, like with your YouTube stuff, how, like, at what point were you able to kind of transition to like a full-time thing? You know, I, I obviously with the design stuff, you probably have like more of a challenge in saying I'm fully going to commit to YouTube as a, as a career, because at least in my experience, most of the people that put in the work to become an actual designer and, and have that education, they don't want to like just walk away from, that because they're passionate about it, you know, like to right. some extent, right. You might not be passionate about every project, but that's kind of life. Right. So yeah. how did that, what did that transition look like to you? And, and what were kind of like, maybe like the first time where you're like, Oh, this YouTube thing could be, you know, like lucrative for me. It was, it was like the end of 2017 coming into 2018. I had started my, um, my channel, like I, I, it's weird. I, I, I've always been like in love with YouTube and I've been doing like stupid YouTube videos on and off since like 2007. Like my first, the first YouTube video that I really like tried and I really tried to put some effort into it was, um, back in 2007 when the Xbox 360 Elite came out, I did a review and it, it, it somehow it got 300,000 views. And at the time I should have just kept going. Cause I could have been the next MKBHD. I don't know what I was thinking, <laughs> but, but I was so mad at myself. But, um, so that, so that was throughout, throughout the years I'd tried, like I'd tried channels on tech. I tried music channels, things like that. Um, but I never really realized how, uh, how, how I never really got into, I would always been into sneakers, but I'd never thought to like look up sneakers on YouTube. And because of that, I'd never thought to do that. And when I really started to realize that, um, so it took probably about a year and a half to really start making more than like a couple hundred bucks a month, which to be still good. Um, yeah. but when, but when it really started getting big was at the end of 2017 around Christmas time. Um, and it was like, I was starting to make as much as my paycheck at work. And I was like, wow. And then I was like, okay, well, what's sort of my, my out? Um, how do I start doing this full time? Because as much as I love design, you know, 
doing YouTube as a full-time career as a dream job. So I I was really starting to look into that. And then my company that I was working at, uh, at the end, literally the day after I filed my taxes and I was like complaining at work, I was like, dude, I just paid this YouTube thing. Screw me, man. Cause I had to pay so much in taxes that, that very day. They're like, you know what? We're laying off a bunch of people and you're fired. And I was like, yo, what? And so I was just so grateful that the, that I, I was, it was the, it was the perfect time. And as much as it hurt because I'd never been fired before, it was like one of the most, like I, there was like a week where I just stopped making videos and I was sitting in my room, like what, what the hell did I do wrong? Like, why, why am I getting fired when all my friends are still there and like all this sort of stuff? Um, so it really took a, it was really a hit, but I was, I was so blessed in the fact that, that I'd been doing YouTube as a second thing for, for two years at that point, And it was really at a point where I could really focus on it. And then when I focused on YouTube, I, I was making like double what I was making my old job like three months later and then it just kept progressing and it was like that's when I knew like okay I'm I can't do I can never work you know at, at a job like that again I want to always keep pushing and whether YouTube is there or not I want to always be doing my own thing because it's the, there, there's this feeling of like when the amount of work that you put in is the amount of return that you get versus going into work and no matter how hard you work, you're going to get a, a standard paycheck. That feeling like and, ex- and experiencing that for the first time, I was like, wow, this is like it's almost like addicting. You know, and yeah. so that was that was the idea of, and I think even if I had been making less money, I still would have it just uh, I, I still would have just gone for it because it was one of those those moments that I don't think I'm ever going to get again, especially now that I'm married and you know eventually we'll have kids and it's like I, I had to take that leap when I did because I don't think it would have not that was a time where I could afford to not be stable, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. Well, it's it's funny. So I I don't know if you're familiar with the Aglet app, but like it's a. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So like I was on their podcast, um, this week and awesome. talking to, to them about, um, to Azim about just synchronicity, right? Like my whole journey in this stuff has been, I- I'm really lucky, man. Like I, I like can't, it like gets me emotional to think about it because stuff just happened that I did not expect to happen. People open doors for me. And like th- my goal is to do that for other people, right? Like that's, that's, awesome. that's how I measure my success because. Like all along the way, there's been things where you're just like, what? How does that happen? And that's exactly what you're talking about, right? Like that, that whole synchronicity, that whole, like, you know, uh, you know, uh, what is it? The saying is like, uh, you know, uh, coincidence. There's no such thing as coincidence, right? Like the fact that you're experiencing that one, that's like potentially like the worst feeling you might have ever had, right? Like losing your job, especially in a, in a job like that that you're in is, is incredibly disheartening and mm-hmm. you almost you almost need to feel that pain to look and be like man Absolutely. That, that way up on youtube and doing this other thing is the joy that i feel right like because yeah. i think that's another you know like the, another conversation but like maybe someday we'll, we'll get into that on on a in a different realm but the whole idea of creating revenue streams to me has always been like this is what i yeah. have always been about right like i've had jobs for a year or two or three here and there. And I, I, I love being around people like, Same. you know, prior to this, you know, 2020 situation with the pandemic, I would almost have a job just to be social, right? Like, I, cause I could 100%. work as a writer. I could work as a freelancer. You could probably do the same thing to design, but you're sitting in your room for days or weeks at a time. And you're like, man, I just want to go grab a coffee with somebody, right? Like I want to go stand by the water <laughs> cooler so in the office. And, and like it, people don't understand how that works because the perception for anybody that works in a job is like, I just don't want to be here Monday through Friday, 50, 60 hours a week. And I totally understand that. But there are challenges on the other side of that, which, you know, 
I think the whole idea of, of creating revenue streams and, and, you know, just freeing up your own time, right? Because you mentioned something I think is just poignant. And, you know, even though we're talking about sneakers, the idea that, you know, that you could have a job and let's say you get paid, you know, let's say you're just getting paid, you know, 15 bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. There are very few things in my life that I would be willing to do a whole hour for, for $15. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yeah, like there it's are true. some TV shows that I won't even watch for, for fifteen dollars. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you start to think of it in that way, right? Where you you change that, you shift that whole way of thinking, and like you know, making your time, you know, not letting somebody else take take away from the value of your time. And so I think that also kind of leads me into like one of the other things I wanted to talk about um, with your process in like creating videos. Mm-hmm. How do you, you know, you mentioned like, you know, maybe, maybe a three hour video, obviously that's refined over, you know, what, 13 years of making videos now, but like, what are some of the things that you would suggest for, you know, like a, a, the up and comers or the people that are just curious about YouTube? Because I think, and you obviously would probably agree to this, but like YouTube still is the platform that creates the most opportunity for people to be independent from work for other people, right? 100%. You can't quite yeah. do that anywhere else. Everywhere else has advertisements that are monetized based mm-hmm. on, you know, the flow of information from everyone where YouTube, it's kind of like you can control a, a huge majority of it, you know, not all of it, but like, um, so what for you is, are some of the things that you do to make that process a little bit easier and, and refine that, but, so you don't have the, you know, six weeks on a video type stuff or, you know, or even if like that, you know, cause I think that becomes a part of the mix of content that people do, right. You yeah. want to do those big projects because that's what you're passionate about. But are there anything that things that you've, you found that work better for you than others? It's been for me, honestly, the thing that really has been the biggest eye opener over the last couple of years has been focusing on SEO um, and really how important titling and thumbnails are for videos and even the description that you write, because Google takes that all into account. Um, and that's, and no matter how good a video is, if the title and thumbnails suck, no one's going to watch it. And that's, that's what sucks because you can put your heart and soul into something and then it gets still views. And that's even with good titles and thumbnails, that still happens. It just depends on how the algorithm's feeling. <laughs> um, I, I think for, for new people, the best piece, piece of advice I could have is, for the first couple months, you're going to hate everything that you put out. And maybe you don't, but, but that's one thing that I found. I'm talking to a lot of people and it's no matter how good it is, it's just that self-consciousness that you kind of got to break through. Um, and then the, the farther you get, uh, it's just having the perseverance to stick it out until it, even when, even if for years you're not seeing a lot of return on your, on your time. Um, if that's something you're really passionate about, you just got to stick it out. And then for the more, I guess, more advanced people, the SEO thing is just so, so important. Um, it's really like, it's, it's, for example, like the, I think the the reason that I was able to get traction like a year or two into it was because I was really focusing on reviewing shoes that I knew were going to be popular, but also I was titling the video, the name of the shoe, the different variations of the name of the shoe. I was putting all the different uh, shoe names in the description and like going on Google trends and looking what's trending. So like, for example, last year, like uh sneaker released it actually for good, good example. Um, my sit or sell videos. While I call the series sit or sell, it's a, if, you, if you're not familiar with it, it's a series where I talk about like the shoes that are coming out and whether I think I just adding a little em- element of gamification saying like yeah. whether I think the shoe is going to sit or sell. Um, I titled the videos 2020 sneaker releases because 2020 sneaker releases is what's trending. It's always trending. So I titled it 2020 sneaker releases sit or sell, even though sit or sell is the main name of the series because it, it helps find a much larger audience because people who are searching for release dates on Google will find my videos 
as well as like the Foot Locker release calendar. Um, and that's just been such a huge thing because it's like, uh, you know, for example, like one of my biggest videos was the off-white Air Jordan uh, ones, the Chicago's when they first came out. And yes, I was I was really lucky because I got them really early because I got to an event. But like at the same time, the reason it got the views is because everyone was searching off-white Jordan ones and just having all the different variations of off-white Jordan one in the description helped with search terms. So when people went on YouTube, if they typed, up, typed in like off-white one, my video would still come up versus someone who typed in off-white Air Jordan one, you know. So there's some people who like will only just title a video like, I, I don't know, um, Yeezy. It's like the new Yeezy 350s. Well, that's great. But like no one, no one's searching for that. They're, they're searching for like the Yeezy, um, I don't know, uh, reflectives or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. 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 So it's important to have all those, those little searchable phrases that you can, that you can use so that people can, you can get the most visibility possible. Yeah, man. I, that's, that's amazing because like that's, honestly what i've made most of my career doing right like that's awesome i like I, I you could you could search for things you know so i basically started in this in like 2007 or so right and mm -hmm. kind of moved around from blog to blog over the years you know over whatever that is has been 13 years but one of the things that like I really dove into at the very beginning was like kind of this like nerding out over SEO, right? Because yeah, I just felt like, Hey, this is something interesting. I'm fascinated by it. Cause I, I mean, I love the sneakers and I love the writing part, but like if I can have a little bit of an advantage because I'm thinking about this other stuff. Right. Um, and it's, it's just crazy because like that turned into, I mean, I've done SEO work for almost every company that I've worked for, but I've also done. That's awesome work for most of those companies as a consultant or a contractor, even after working for them as a, as an employee. So, um, I think it's incredibly important. And I think like, you know, people don't necessarily think about it, but YouTube is the biggest search engine on the planet, right? Like yeah. Google is the default, but like people are really searching YouTube more than they're searching anywhere else. And I think as, mm -hmm. as people are able to recognize that it's, it's awesome too, because for me, I, I, you know, as somebody who really wants to see the business of footwear and the business of sneakers just continue to grow and bring new people in, having those types of thoughts and, and creating based on that, or, you know, having those thoughts while you're creating, right? Allows new, allows new people to see products that they wouldn't normally see, right? Like, you Absolutely. know, being in the sneakers, you know, we have, I don't know, maybe 20% of the sneakers that everybody knows about, but like, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's the we are underdogs of the world that it's like, we need to showcase these guys making these beautiful shoes. Like they are incredibly well-made, but like they don't have like a big massive following and they're not going to be on right. some super famous person's feet or anything. Maybe not right now, maybe in the future, who knows? But like, <laughs> I, I love the idea of bringing all of these elements in because it kind of is just like, you know, it raises everything up. Right. So like next thing you know, you're, you're doing a video about, you know, uh, a pair of ASICs and people are like, Oh, like I didn't even know about ASICs or they're like, I knew about that ASICs, but I didn't realize this ASICs was a thing. So like yeah. now all of a sudden you're like opening people's eyes up to, to new things. And, and I think it one, like as a consumer, they can get into it, but two, if they're really passionate about it, who knows, maybe they're working at ASICs or we are underdogs in the future. Right. Because yeah. you've, you've kind of, you've kind of, almost played the system to be in front of them. And I think that's a, a really cool thing. Um, one thing that, that I think we should talk about though, you mentioned, you know, being, you know, like you're, you're in Philly or in New York. 
Philly. Yep. Philly. Okay. I, well, I was in um, New York until 2018 and I moved down to Philly. Okay, cool. Are you from Philly originally? I'm from Baltimore originally. Oh, yeah, okay. Cool. Cool. Fan. Yeah. All right. Oh, that's right. That's right. I knew that. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I was thinking about, uh, you know, like your, your off white Jordan one, right? Mm-hmm. That whole access to events and stuff is a big deal, right? Like me mm-hmm. being in LA, you know, for the past few years, like that was the reason for me being there, like moving to New York and, and working at complex. Like, you know, you, yeah. you kind of want to be in those massive hubs so you can get to those events. But I think that there's also something we talked about before we started recording is like just the relationship building and the relationship management and like keeping in touch with people. So what is that like in for you and how, you know, like h- how do you, how do you balance that with, you know, what you do? Cause obviously you get access to a lot of shoes early. Sometimes that's being in the right place physically, but sometimes that's. Yeah you know, potentially years of, of just being friends with people and, and maintaining relationships. How much does that play into like what you do and, and like, what would you suggest to the younger generation or, you know, the newcomers into the space as to like, how do you kind of, I guess, balance that, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you're not always going to be best friends with everybody. And yeah, I think that's a challenge that people don't realize behind the scenes. Like I've been on both sides. I've been on the side where people are asking me for shoes. I've been on the side where I'm asking for shoes either for me to create content or for another mm-hmm. company. Um, and I don't think people fully understand the, the challenges that come with, with kind of, I guess, playing that game, so to speak. So maybe you could speak a little bit about that. Yeah. It's, um, one of the things I found most valuable, I guess, in the, in the whole YouTube thing, and, and especially what you were talking about, is that is that the, these events like ComplexCon and like SneakerCon, while they're fun, especially from a consumer point of view, because you're buying things and you're being around people, like-minded people, uh, for me, it's like it's like a field day. It's like I get to see everybody that uh, I'm friends with at once. And I think that's um, it, it's so important because then you meet new people who like you would never expect like for example, I, I I think the first time I met you in person was was a complex con, right? Or I met you in person yeah. beforehand. I, yeah, complex con. Um, and it's, it's complex like, con, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's just like you 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 really cultivate these friendships that yes, while the, initially they started out sometimes as business relationships, other times it's like they become your best friends. Like a lot of people that, for example, a lot of YouTubers, um, like especially in sneaker YouTubers, are really good friends of mine. I talk to them on a very re- regular basis because they're just good people. Um, yeah. And so it's good from a personal point of view, but also again, like you, you never, you never expect to meet certain people and you never expect pe- other people be, that, that you would never think would be watching your content or watching your content. And so in that way, it's, it's very fulfilling and it's, it's sort of a nice way of, um, sort of, uh, approving to yourself that you're actually doing something and people actually care about what you're, what you're making. Um, but then for, for the brand side of things, um, I guess from, from a content point of view, it's, there's definitely a little bit of a competitive side. And, uh, that's what kind of stinks. Cause like everyone's trying to come out with reviews or videos on the same shoes at once. And you're always trying to not beat everyone else, but trying to sort of get a piece of the pie of the view pie. Um, so yeah. it's, it's, there's always a struggle of like, can you get that shoe first? Or, uh, for me, one thing that's been really interesting is that like, um, now that this is YouTube is really a business for me and I have to look at it from a business point of view. It's like, is it worth me paying a thousand dollars for resale for a shoe? Uh, versus waiting for like early to get it early versus waiting yeah. for it to come out and paying like three hundred dollars. Will the will the views? It's either will the video make enough money to pay off the shoe? Will I get enough new viewership to make the shoe worth it, even if I'm spending money, or is it like a waste of money? And and it's a lot. It's 
sometimes I'll buy like, for example, I think the last shoe, one shoe that I, I bought that I regretted was the, the off-white Nike Dunks. I bought them like a month early, well, two weeks early from Stadium Goods for like $1,300, thinking that the video would get like half a million views and it got like 100,000 views, which is still great, but it made nowhere yeah. near enough to pay off the shoes. And it, I didn't really get new subscribers from it. So it's it's a little bit of that, like there's a little bit of gambling almost going on. Um, but then there's also the interesting aspect of like when you work with brands, like maintaining a relationship with them. And then also... It's interesting watching some of the favoritism that brands have too, and how certain people get certain shoes versus other people. And while yes, for some brands, I'm definitely on the receiving end of that. I'm not going to deny that. But sometimes it's like, damn, that person like he got this crazy shoe, and his content like he didn't. He if oh man, if I had gotten that shoe, you know, I would have put out so much. Like my content would be crazy. Um, and there's definitely a bit of that. And so it's it's a lot of you've got to really practice a lot of humility with it and realize that like you're not owed this product. This this is not like this is not owed to you. Um, you have to earn it. And even when you earn it, it's like at the end of the day, it's like, it's not because you're just a great person. It's because you're, you're going to put out content on it. You're really going to make it worth your while, or make the brand's while worth it, you know? Um, so it's, it's interesting. It's a very interesting sort of, uh, I guess, social <laughs> climate going yeah. on within the business side of things, which I don't think people realize is there, but so far, I mean, every honest, I can honestly say that everyone that I've met through this, um, through sneakers and through, and through social media so far, I've, really like there's not there's not been one person that i've met that i've been like i guy's a dick like i don't want to talk to that guy yeah. ever again like it's and maybe they're just putting on a nice face but so far i think i've made more friends than anywhere else in life it's crazy yeah definitely i mean that's 100 percent for me the the truth like it just is unreal how many i mean i'm sure there are, are bad people out there but i think the nature <laughs> of yeah like i'm sure the nature of it though is like you know especially with like social media right like the perception mm -hmm. of someone who of who someone is on their channels is completely different than what, you know, you know, if you know them, right? Like, totally. I mean, you could look at you. I mean, there's so many YouTubers that are like that, right? Like they play it up mm -hmm. so much, but then when I see them in person, they're just so like grateful to see me. Like I'm grateful to see them. And it's like, it's, it's not that whole like show. Right. But like that's YouTube, yeah. right? It's the entertainment aspect of it is, is, you know, people are getting better and better at like, putting on that face and that, that character, you know, and I think that's something that people as consumers, not everybody realizes, you know, like that, that's a character, right? They're playing it up. So yeah. it's more entertaining for you. You know, they're probably a much more reserved or much more chill person in real life. But, mm -hmm. um, it kind of is one of those things too, that makes me think of like my experience at finish line when we, so finish line had never sent out product before, like, you know, Brandon Edler and I went and started working there. And we kind of set up that whole program. Um, and, and now like Kim has, you know, kind of taken it over and it's like, they're, they do a really good job, right? They're really refined. And I think, you know, the challenge that we went into that and it was, uh, you know, part of my experience at complex being like a media person that, you know, having that complex name next to mine is like people. Yeah. instantly or just like let me just throw you everything right let me just like yeah. if you talk about it on complex you know because it's a pr person right they're trying to get exposure so there's value for them if you do anything with it whether it's your personal accounts or the complex accounts so at, at finish line when when brandon and i started there we kind of like sat down and he and i are like 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 probably the best friends you know anyone could have right like we're we don't talk all the time but like we're just like always in sync and like always like you know, really care about each other. But one of the things that we sat down as, as I started, cause he started there a, a few months before me, 
But like, I basically said, like, look, I don't want to be the company that sends product out to just everyone that, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't help anyone. Right. Because it puts you in a tough spot. It puts me in a tough spot. Cause if I'm sending you a product that you don't like, one, I'm expecting some, even if it's unspoken, even if I know you don't like the product, I'm hoping that you're going to do something with it to get me some exposure, right? As a PR, whatever you want to call that person. But on the other side, you're looking at this shoe, like, I don't want to talk about this shoe, or I don't want to talk about this, you know, like, it doesn't make sense. So that balance is is really challenging. And I think that, you know, I'm trying to like, kind of unveil some of those things for people, because they see that and there is a lot of, you know, favoritism, there's a lot of who got this first, who got this, you know, last time. And on the business side, you're always trying to to appease everybody and you can't, right? Like you just yeah. don't physically have enough pairs of shoes to send to people and yep. you can't control how quickly they get them. So if you yep. send everybody in the country shoes on the same day, some people get it tomorrow and some people get it in four days. And that's just yep. a terrible thing for, for the nature of YouTube. But I think that it's, uh, it's interesting to hear you talk about that on the receiving end of a lot of that and like what you go through, because part of what I think is really fascinating about YouTube is that it's so competitive, mm-hmm. consumer facing, but yeah. everybody's friends, no, maybe not everybody, but like I'd say 90% of the people that do sneaker YouTube. Yeah are friendly with each other every time I see them. And mm-hmm. in my, you know, work over the past decade or so, it's been awesome because I'm able to bring these people together and sometimes, you know, do things kind of like you're talking about with with we are underdogs and and what you got coming up. And I think those types of things ultimately, you know, like level the playing field, right? Like you get to come and see like, hey, look, Seth got this pair before I did, but like look, I'm just sending, you know, 10 pairs of shoes out. I can't yep. control all of things, but like, it's a, it's a really challenging thing. And I think that there's, uh, there's real, uh, I guess knowledge and like something special about what you're talking about of like thinking about it from a business perspective. Mm-hmm. Most people don't, don't go that far with it. Right. Like they think, right. you know, Hey, I'm just going to get a pair of shoes, but like, you know, not everybody's cut out to, to, you know, be really analytical and not, not everybody's cut out to just look at a numbers base because, you know, and, and it doesn't always impact everything. I'm sure sometimes you're just like, I just like that shoe and I'm going to pay for it because I want that shoe and I want to do a review exactly. on it. But I do think that that's a really interesting point of like, Hey, you know, as a business, sometimes it's worth spending that money to get it early. And it's not about like somebody getting it to you early. It's about you taking the initiative, which I think a lot of people that are coming into creating around sneakers should think about because that's that's a really like you know just taking the initiative is is a huge step in the success that's going to come from that right because we all have the nature of like looking around us and looking at our peers and saying like you know oh they got that and i didn't get it or you know like i I really wanted that one and it's like i i I know we all have it i just i it's awesome to to hear you talk about it too because i think the perception for people that see all of your followers and all of your views is like, Oh, he just gets everything for free. Right. Like I'm sure you see that in the comments even, but Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So I think, cause you mentioned like the, the humility aspect of it, what would be, or is there a moment that you could, you know, kind of go back to where maybe you either kind of hit the wall as far as, you know, 
the feeling of like, should I be doing this? Or, mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe it's something where you just like felt like you made a mistake and like you kind of had to like reel it back in and be like, Hey, that's on me and move forward. Are there any moments that you could look at and be like, that was a moment that I had to take and, and learn from it in this whole process of, of, you know, growing your channel. There's been a bunch, I think. Uh, there's, uh, yeah. One, one thing I've realized is that people really don't like when you break character. And I, I'll say that I, I try not even on purpose, but just the person that I am on YouTube, I, I, f- I feel like it's pretty similar to the person that I am in real life. Just one, because I'm not a great actor, so I wouldn't be good at, at uh, you know, um, and I feel like people really resonate with, with authenticity on YouTube. And yeah. I think that um, at least, you know, with like the big guys like Tony and, and Bull and, and Kais and, and Cousteau or, or Jacques, they're all like very similar to who they are online. And I think people really resonate that with that. And that's why they're so big. Um, the one, one time, one specific example I can think of was there was, um, it was right when all the off-white sneakers came out. I, I was working with a, a sneaker company or um, a sneaker resale store in New York. Um, I think it was called Rare Pair. I don't know if it's still around, but they, they had gotten in a bunch of sneakers and they were like, well, you should try this idea of running around the city and pretending to sell it to people or some stupid like YouTube type idea. And I was yeah. like, fine, I'll try it. You know, might as well. So I do this video kind of being a dick in this video, like running around, just like going up people, just like not, not something that I would do personally. Um, just because I was trying to, I was trying to get the views. I was trying to play off the whole YouTube and off white thing. And, uh, when I put the video out, it, it just, people hated it. They absolutely hate it. I've never had a video where I've had more dislikes than likes. And that was the first time that it ever happened to me. And I was like, holy crap. So I, I took it down and I was like, I can't do anything like this again. And while I think there's a lot of, um, you can, you can learn from something like that. I think that was one of those things that I just, you know, like, for example, like if you're playing Madden and then your, your team just gets blown out and the, the announcer's like, well, they're just going to scrap that footage. That's one of those things where it's like, I'm never going to like try and learn anything from that. That was just the wrong way to go. Um, <laughs> so, so that's yeah. that's a pretty big one. But there's, I mean, you cost. I think just in anything in life, you're you're always failing, and you gotta you make a choice to learn from what you're failing at, or, or learn from your mistakes and move on from it. And you grow from that, and I think that's constant every day. Like you know, when you get a video that you put out and doesn't get as many views, you're like, well, why did that video not get as many views? And you learn from you know the mistakes that you made, or maybe you know just kind of cry about it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, 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 but, yeah. Um, so I guess kind of shifting gears to like get into, I guess, more of your personal preferences and tastes. What, uh, what, what would you, what would you say is like your top three sneakers? Like just at the moment, right? It doesn't have to be like all time. Could be just like the thing, the first three that come to mind right now. At the moment, um, I've always been a huge Jordan one fan. So they're always up there. I, I, you know, the bread ones have always been my, my all time favorite, but I'm really feeling the, um, Chicago's at the moment. I think it's definitely has to do with the documentary and watching Michael Jordan. Cause I grew up, I was born in 92. So I missed a lot of it. I, I remember growing up with him being the best. And so there's still a little bit of nostalgia towards it, but not as much as someone who, you know, grew up in the actually grew up in the nineties. Um, yeah. so there's definitely understanding more of that history. There's a little bit more passion towards that particular colorway, but honestly, I'm, I'm really into new balance right now. And I'm really loving the nine, nine twos. I really love the, um, the Joe Freshgoods 992 that came out during All Star Weekend. I'm obsessed with that, and I've been wearing a lot of the. Um, I've been wearing a lot of the the Soulfly Tens for some reason. I don't know why I like that shoe so much, but the Soulfly Tens. It's just such a. I, I really I always loved the um, the linen Tens, and I never got a pair of those. And so yeah, the Soulfly yeah. Tens were sort of like, and then the materials on them are, are pretty solid. So it's one of those shoes that I just love wearing because it feels so premium. It looks so good. And it's just, I just, I love that little hit of teal on the, on the ankle too, or on the heel. Nice, man. Yeah. I, I like those yeah. too. Um, so 
what would be, let's say, let's say, uh, you know, a 16 year old kid comes to you and is like, I've been working on my YouTube, but I want to do sneakers. What's, Mm -hmm. what's the shoe that you give that kid to do a review on unboxing, whatever he wants to do, but also what's, what's your advice for, (laughs) for him as he gets started? Or her, I should, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be so, you know. <laughs> um, the shoe, I, I hate to say it, but the shoe that always gets views, no matter what, is is the Easy Three Fifty. I'm so sick of that shoe. I think everybody feels like they are, but they, no matter what, like that shoe will get a hundred thousand views with your eyes closed. It, it's so, I hate it, but it does. Um, not that it's a bad shoe. I think it's a great shoe, but I just, it, it's, it, that's one of the those shoes that I feel obligated to review, even though it's just a different colorway because it's it's a tent pole for my channel, and I think for yeah. most people's channels. Um, uh, yeah, I, I guess, um, really finding that, that unique thing that makes you, you. And that's one thing I've noticed a lot recently. Like uh, I said, I think before our, our interview started, but like overall sneaker YouTube, um, this year in particular, I think because with, with everything going on, the views aren't what they used to be. And it's interesting because I, at first I thought it was because, oh, people just aren't as interested in sneakers, which I think is a lot of it. But you, you start to look at some of these smaller channels, like these upstart channels. There's one in particular called, um, cams kicks and he sort of bases his his channel off what uh round two did where they filmed sort of he owns a sneaker store i think with his dad and they they round two like films you know their interactions with people and then he films his interactions with people which i think is so interesting um and his channel's getting crazy views like we're talking like 60 to 100 000 views per video per day because he drops a video every day and like the content um it's it's like not the best produced it's just like i'm assuming a gopro or something in the corner nothing against that but like people are sucked into it and there's still obviously a huge interest in sneakers and, but it's, it's shifted in the way that it's not so much about the hype. I think as much, I think it's more about the business side of things and making money out of it. And that's why as much as, you know, I don't think a lot of us are fans of people who resell sneakers, nothing wrong with that, but I think there's a lot more market for that now than there was before because people are realizing that like, it's a way for them to make money, whether they're a young kid or whether they're someone who, um, you know, would like to have a side income. And I, I respect that. I think it's great. And I think it's very evident seeing the channels that are coming up now, like cams kicks. And then there's another one called, um, Bader Boy Nova, who almost essentially makes like a Netflix documentary every week on his stuff. And uh, while I don't love bots personally, because they always screw me out of shoes, <laughs> it's so interesting seeing it from the other side. And I understand why he's getting those kind of views because it's so interesting. And so it's interesting to see the way that YouTube, uh, sneaker YouTube has evolved from just saying, "Oh, the shoe is red; it's got leather on it," to like, "This is how you make a thousand dollars a week." you know, selling sneakers in your own store, and like, this is how you you pay for rent. This is how we we deal with the taxes and stuff like that. It's I think people have. I think sneaker YouTube has matured in a way that I didn't expect, but a way that I'm really excited about. And it's kind of sucks for me because I don't have anything like I don't put out that kind of content. So I think I need to pivot a little bit. (laughs) Well, I mean, I I agree. It is really fascinating. You know, I I, uh, was just uh, on one of my calls this last week was talking to some people about, you know, the nature of the younger consumer and how the thought process you know, they still love the sneakers, but the thought process is much different. You know, like I'm, I would say like, you're like almost directly in between like Cam's kicks is a great example, right? Like you're kind of in between where he's at and where I'm at in terms of like the age range and the way you kind of got into this and not, not to like toot my own horn, but like, I feel like I'm a very progressive 40 something, you know, Absolutely. compared to Absolutely. most of the older guys that of my age who are just bitter towards everything that happened to sneakers. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to embrace all of these things too. And, and like, you know, as someone who like really is, is trying to focus on, you know, 
it sounds funny, but like I'm trying to make the sneaker business better, right? Like I mm-hmm. want, I want the, the me at 17 to be able to like realize how much opportunity there is to just follow sneakers and, and even as taking that a step beyond that to change what sneakers have become because you know, like I just had a conversation around sustainability. Like I spoke to um, nice. the California College of the Arts footwear design class a couple of weeks back, and and they they are you know there's a handful of them that are really into the hype stuff. We were talking about you know uh, Warren Lotus and Virgil and all these things that oh, were going yeah. on in the sneakerhead world, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but what everyone in the class got excited about was talking about sustainability, right? Because mm-hmm. Ultimately, we've got to deal with this type of stuff, right? Whether we want to or not. Yeah. And, you know, as, as much as I love having, you know, hundreds or maybe even thousands of shoes, <laughs> like I also realize like I don't need all that stuff. I need to be more conscious about it, but I, I, I want to bring people in to, to help them kind of understand where they can fit in and where they can kind of push their way through doors that might not seem like they can be open. And I mm-hmm. think that is really fascinating about this younger generation in the way that they're looking at a shoe of like, you know, like there's return on this investment, kind of like the way you're looking at it for the channel. But there's also like, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much more to that, right? Like there's the ebb and flow of, of the value of those shoes. There's yep. the, the demand and when it kind of, you know, peaks and when it goes away. Then there's also obviously the personal, like, I just want to wear this because I think it's dope. And yeah. So. One of the things I wanted to like, obviously talk to you about too, is like, you know, as much as you saying you're looking to, to, you know, pivot the channel, maybe I think you kind of have, uh, you know, started this other side hustle, right? With, with this new HQ I saw on your, uh, (laughs) on your Instagram. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, so I started, it was, it's funny. So with, with everything going on with, with, you know, the pandemic, I think, um, there was definitely a, a little bit of depression that everyone was feeling at the beginning. And I was definitely feeling that, especially since like we were talking about earlier, you know, not having, being able to have any social interaction. Um, I, cause I hadn't been going into an office for a year at that point, And it was just such a big blow cause I was traveling so much. So I was sitting at home, just really just down on myself, just being, being an asshole. <laughs> you know? Um, and, uh, I, I just, um, I realized that like, this is, I, I, to be honest with you, it was from watching people like Gary V who were like, this is your chance to do something. And I was like, you're right. I should do something. So, yeah. uh, I reached out to a, a college friend of mine, who I, I'm still very close with. Um, and he's a designer and he's someone that I think he works at. Well, I don't know if um, he works in Philly, uh, at his design job. And, um, we had both been, t- he had been doing a lot of manufacturing overseas. And, um, and one thing I think people don't realize is even though sometimes it can be expensive, actually manufacturing a product is not that difficult. Um, and so we were like, well, I, I've, I'm, I can bring to the table an audience who's really passionate about sneakers and, and I've really connected with, and obviously I'm not going to sell them anything that's garbage. Um, but I, I have an audience that can really get us off the ground if we can find something that would resonate with them and resonate with us. And so we thought about it for a while and we're like, well, what can we make that, um, that to be completely honest, has a, a, a low um, barrier to entry for us. Like it wouldn't be too expensive to produce, but we could get a decent return and it could really resonate with people and be a good product. And we landed on socks and, um, so we, we, this was probably back in April. And so what I did is I just bought all the socks I could think of, like Stance, Nike, like every brand out there, Bombas. Um, and I just felt all the different socks. We felt with socks that I liked the best. 
And then we started, um, we just were like, okay, we'll, we'll find a company. We'll ask them to make a, make us a crew length sock and we'll see if we like it. So we, we basically drew up a very simple design for a crew length sock with the, um, the, I guess so I can show you that one right here. Um, with like this sort of stretchiness, you know, where we want it. Um, and we sent it to a couple of different factories and we got back some samples from different factories and we found one that we really thought was good quality. We wore it for a couple of weeks and we're happy with it. And so then, um, what we did is, uh, just came up with like a name of the company because we knew that obviously that's important. Um, and we were trying to think of something that would be, be not, not cliche and not cringy, but also be something that kind of, you know, resonates with us. And that was apothecary because we really liked the idea of, um, uh, creating, creating is something that is so good that you're, you're, you know, you're almost addicted to it, which I understand, you know, it has different connotations that we, we would have, if, we didn't put enough time into it, but <laughs> into the name of the company, but we really were happy with the way that the, the branding looked and the way that it sounded and just how, uh, and honestly, how sort of refined it felt versus, you know, something, you know, like, uh, we, we were originally thinking of like, um, corner store, uh, mm-hmm. collective or something like that. Just something that just didn't have that same sort of like refined feel to it. Um, so we came up with some designs, we sent them out to a factory, got them back a couple weeks later. Um, and we were just like, okay, you know what? We put about 1200 bucks into this each. Let's see what'll happen. So we, uh, we did a launch and I just started promoting it in every video for like a week beforehand. We took some pictures with some friends. Um, we set up a Shopify account and set up an LLC because we knew if, you know, something went wrong, we didn't want to get sued. Um, or if we did get sued, we didn't want to lose everything. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, we got all the business side of things set up and then we, we put it out there expecting this stuff to sit there for a couple of weeks. But within the first, I think I, we, we actually bought like, a, we bought about 1200 socks initially. Um, and we split it up between two drops. So I think it was about 600 socks per drop. And within the first like three hours, it, it was before we even officially launched it. We sent out an email to people who signed up for the email. We sold out, um, which was crazy. We didn't expect that at all. And so we're like, there might be something to this. So two weeks later, we did another drop and we, people had saw from the first drop that they had missed out on it. So they're like, okay, we got to get this. So we didn't do a, a pre drop like we did last time. We just opened it up to everybody and it sold out in like 12 minutes. And then, um, we're like, well, we got to start increasing <laughs> numbers of stuff that we put out. So we, we just kept doing jobs every two weeks and increasing the stock numbers. And so far it's just, people have just been happy with it. And we've only, we've actually only received two complaints about quality. One was that someone had got their sock caught on something and it tore a hole. And while that's, let's be, let's be honest, it's not our fault. We're going to give them free products and we're going to thank them for yeah. supporting the brand and that sort of stuff. It's customer service <laughs> stuff. And then the other one was something about, I think it was the no shows not fitting the way that they thought, it, but we've been really happy with not only the quality of product because we wouldn't have sold it if it wasn't high quality, but also the, the response that we've gotten. Um, and it's been just, it's been crazy. And so it's, it's with every, with every drop, I mean, we're moving, we're moving socks way more than we ever expected. And so it's, it's becoming a thing where it's like actually a legitimate business now. And so we got an office space, like you mentioned, and like, we're just going to kind of keep rolling with it, keep putting out products that we really enjoy making and, and people seem to be enjoying it too. And I think it, we get, we just hit in a sweet spot. We hit, um, we were able to put out a product that was low enough barrier. Well, for example, let me, um, with, with a couple, so over the last couple of years, I've had products that I put out like the sneakers mm-hmm. and we are underdog sneakers and things like that. And I think that there's with this, I try to differentiate my channel from other channels by creating things that are products and not so much merch. I've, I've never really been a fan of merch and I've done it in the past. I just didn't like it. Um, and it, there's people out there who want to support you, whether that's through Patreon, whether it's through products, whether it's through whatever. Um, and I realized that. And, and I, I, with the, we are underdog shoes, I realized that the products that we're putting out, some, some people are just buying because they want to support you and not even like, they don't even care about the shoe. And it sucks because the, the cost to enter, you know, or the cost to buy something like that is like 200 bucks, which is a lot for a lot of people. So I think with socks, it was, 
It was an affordable cost. It was 15 bucks for a pair of socks. It gave people not only a high quality product, but if they wanted to support that, they could do it that way. Um, and that's how it started initially. But now I think it's become its own beast where it's like its own brand that hopefully people look up to or appreciate. Um, and so it's, it was the perfect, I think it was the perfect, um, uh, sort of everything coming together of creating a product that people liked and also coming in at a good price point and coming in at a time where people could actually, you know, benefit from having a good pair of quality socks. I know that was yeah. like very like scatterbrained and all over the place. No, it's, it's <laughs> great, man. I mean, I think, I think, you know, it, it's, it's, it's how it works, right? Like there's so much that goes into that stuff. And, and I think like, I'm glad that you mentioned just the, the, the trials and like, you know, the conversations that you have around merch and, you know, making product, because those are all things that, that people don't really get to see into that, you know, uh, thought process. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's, there's some people that, like you said, just want to support the channel, want to support you. It wouldn't matter if it was socks or if it was a bag of chips, they'd want to buy it. And they're exactly. like 15 bucks. That's a no brainer. Right. Um, and I think that that's one of the really interesting things about you know, kind of like your conversation around pivoting and, and like keeping the views going and like the challenges of, of YouTube and being a business person and, you know, being, you know, having your personal name attached to everything that's out there is that you, you want to make sure it's right. And you want to make sure that even if somebody gets their socks stuck on a nail somehow, you take care of that. Right. And it's like, you know, it's, it's nothing for you to take care of that. But like the action for that person, it creates a lifelong fan and absolutely they're going to buy that $200 sneaker from you in a couple of years, right? Like, or, or whenever it is. And, and I think there's a really fascinating, it's fascinating to me to watch all of my friends, you know, do these things like yourself. Like I, I actually really like the name apothecary because I think oh, that personally I am excited more so about the, maybe this is just because my girlfriend is like a beauty, you know, makeup artist and, you know, work for Glossier and all that stuff. But like, as guys, we don't do enough to take care of ourselves. Right. And I think that there's a lot of room to expand in that space, you know, wherever you want to take it. Right. It doesn't, you know, it might just be like, you make great socks, but one day it might be like, Hey, like, you know, we made like incredibly soft slides. We made, you know, like, like it, it could go anywhere, right? You could be making like, yeah. you know, shave bombs or something in the future and it still works under that brand where I think a lot of people don't necessarily, you know, have that opportunity because they, they get into a, 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 like, this is the comfort zone of, of everybody wants to buy this. And I also think that like, there's, there's just so many ways to go about doing it. And that's what's fascinating to see like something like you or like, you know, like I've known Mike and Charlie or Fomer and buckets, you know, for a really long time right yeah and like i mean part of why i started the patreon for sneaker history was Mm -hmm. because i was on the phone with with fomer and and he's like dude you just got to do it man there's people that just want to support you because they like what you do and you know we don't make a ton of money off of it but it is really amazing to see the people that just want to support and you know just because they like you and they don't they don't really care about the shoes that you get or what you're doing like you know, they just want to support you. And I think that's such a, a really fascinating world where, you know, like Uncivilized is, a, is, an, is an interesting example of like how those guys have been hesitant to make it their its own brand independent from Fomer, right? It was, it's always just on Fomer's site. And now finally they're coming around to doing that. 
And like, they've been doing really well with it. Right. And then you have, you know, someone like Jacques on the flip side who like, I've been kind of harassing him to do merch for a really long time. And he's like, it's gotta be right. It's gotta be right. It's gotta be right. You know? Um, But I think it's, it's, it's fascinating. And I think it's, you know, it's inspiring to, to see like, Hey, the formula of what people think is sneaker YouTube or a, you know, sneaker influencer or whatever you want to call that. Right. Is not the same for everybody. Like yeah, some people, it's going to make sense to have a crazy line of merch. Some people it's going to make sense to like, I mean, I really, really admire that you, you start with like socks and just make it a low entry point because that's something that I think about in terms of like, you know, like people don't necessarily want to spend $60 on a hoodie when yeah. they're going to buy, you know, uh, you know, their, their favorite brands hoodie. So like you're putting yourself in a competition for their money in a way that you don't necessarily need to, but also yeah. you have the possibilities. I mean, it's just endless, right? Like you could see the brand growing into something that you, the same way you probably didn't expect YouTube to grow five years from now, we're going to be talking about, can you believe this? Like, you know, you have, you don't have an office. You've got like pop-ups in, in, you know, <laughs> LES and, you know, like all these places that you just like, it's just, it's cool to see starting small and like, you know, really like you using your, your, you know, audience and, and kind of bringing them on for that journey. Because I think a lot of people, especially in the sneaker world, because we see so many people buying so many crazy shoes and like, not everybody can spend $200 on a pair of shoes. Not everybody can, you know, buy a shoe early. Like that's just not possible. So like, it's okay to not have the physical shoe and you can still be passionate about this stuff and share in this journey. And sometimes it is just like, let me just grab a pair of socks because this is going to make me feel good today and make, you know, yeah. and it's going to, you know, support the person that I want to watch. So, um, but I guess like my last question and we'll, we'll wrap up, but like, um, what would be a, I guess like a person brand or project, the dream Seth Fowler opportunity in the sneaker world moving forward? Um, I guess in the short term, or I guess it depends on, you know, how you, how you think about the short term. Cause I think it could be a very long term goal depending on the situation, but I would love to have a collaboration with someone like new balance, someone who I, I, I love new balance because I love their, their quality of product. I love the, their paneling. I love the way the product looks. Um, that's like a dream collab for me. Um, that would be sick. Um, but if, if, you know, if I'm looking farther ahead, I think it's just having the opportunity or continuing to have the opportunity to be able to try new things and, and start new businesses. And I think, um, that's just the most exciting thing of all of it. So maybe give it, having a larger foundation so that I can just explore and try other things and like have that sort of that main sort of, I guess, um, a couple different revenue streams like the YouTube channel, like apothecary, and then being able to build off of that and, and just try things that are completely crazy and just having the ability and the opportunity to experiment, um, uh, and, and fail, I think is, is, my largest goal, I think would be, I know that's kind of like not, not, not a very concrete goal, but <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a, that's a beautiful goal to have though. You know, I think that's uh super important for people to understand because uh, I mean, oftentimes, you know, you're on the other end of that at, you know, at 20 years old and you're like, I've got a thousand dollars in the bank account and I'm going to go make a hundred t-shirts with 800 of that. And I'm going to figure out how to make the rest. And then you're like, 
well, shit, it didn't work. I got to go back to work tomorrow. You know, like, and and part of that is the process. But like, I, I do think that there's beauty in the opportunities to do that. Right. And I think that it's awesome that you're, that you're, you're speaking my language. I know that's not sneakers, but like the revenue streams and the conversations, like you probably have read like four hour work week and Tim Ferriss and those kind of things or no familiar with them. So like, that's kind of like my Bible, right? Like I've, I've read that book probably 30 times. I go back to it and just like, I, like I'm never working four hours because I, I love doing what I'm doing. I love connecting with people. Right. But like the thought process of that stuff that allows you the, the opportunity to fail the comfort with failing, the comfort with being uncomfortable, you know, like there's so many just nuggets of gold in that. And everybody kind of learns from different people. But I, I I hope that as I get, you know, more content out there, like I'm having conversations like this, we're talking about the other aspects of this whole sneaker world that kind of get washed under the table, you know, because of the, the, the nature of it, right? The consumerism yep. nature of sneakers. And that's important. Like I, 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 you know, like I'm a sucker for it. I'm a hype beast for a lot of things and like, can't, you know, like try to not buy shoes for a while. And it's like, Oh, next thing you know, there's three pairs at the door again. You're just like, (laughs) all right. But like, it's, it's one of those things where I'm hoping to kind of open people's eyes up to the opportunities and the conversations that surround all of this stuff with sneakers as, as we go forward. So, um, I'm glad I got to connect with you and and chat with you. And, um, it's been really fun. And I guess just great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course, man. So if you, uh, you want to just let everybody know where they can find you just in, in case they don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can find me if you, uh, go to youtube.com slash Seth Fowler. That's my main channel. That'll have links to my tech channel and to, uh, to my Twitter and Instagram, things like that. But that's sort of my main hub. Um, yeah. And then like, if you want to check out the apothecary socks, there's links in pretty much every single video. <laughs> so you can check them out there. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty much, that's pretty much everything. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time and uh, thanks everybody for spending the time listening to us and uh, watching us and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Peace.